Next week we will resume in the Gospel of Mark. Today we're going to look at one verse uh, in Psalm 119. So right in the middle of your Bible are the Psalms. So Psalm 119, verse 105, if you open your Bibles to there, to there, Psalm 119, 105, verse 105. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, this, this is a real familiar verse to you. It was made popular as a song in the 80s, a Christian song in the 80s. And so great verse, wonderful message here for us. Psalm 119, verse 105. Let me read that, and then we're going to pray. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let's pray together. Lord, how we need your light in this life, how we need to walk in your light. Lord, how the darkness wants to creep in against us. Uh, there's darkness all around, Lord, sometimes even darkness within. And um, so we, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you haven't left us to, to walk blindly through this life, to kind of grope our way through life, but Lord, to, to, to have your light available to our hearts, God, and to our lives, to our minds, to our, or to our spiritual lives, Lord. So thank you for that. And uh, we commit this time to you, Father. Teach us well, we pray. Lord, have your way with us and transform us for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The message is entitled, How Am I and Where Am I Going? It's not a bad kind of New Year's message, is it? <laughs> how am I? We usually say, how, how are you? But sometimes we need to ask ourselves, how am I? How am I doing? What's going on in my life? Uh, sometimes we need to take a healthy pause and kind of look at ourselves and you know, as the New Year's coming, there's, there's a lot of ads on the, on the television, on social media, about losing weight, darn scale, you know, and about changing things in our lives. And so as we come up on, you know, the New Year's thing, we talk about New Year's resolutions, and, and sometimes people get kind of down on that and say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make a New Year's resolution, or I'll just break them anyway, this, that. You know what? I think it's okay to make a resolution, I think it's okay to make a decision to say, you know what, there's some things in my life that need to change, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, whether it be, you know, emotional or relational or whatever the case is, what, what we do with our time, how we spend our money. Sometimes it's okay to say, you know, it's a good time, it's the beginning of the year, I'm going to reset things, I'm going to recalibrate, I'm going to kind of look, take an inventory of my life, more importantly, I'm going to ask God to help me take an inventory of my life and see what things need to change, if any. On the other side of the coin, what things are going well? As we reflect back over 2017, what has gone well? What can we be pleased about? What can we be happy about? What is worth repeating again in this next coming year? I was, I was thinking about this verse once again, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I see this verse divided in two sections. The first section is this, a lamp to my feet. Now just consider yourself, uh, consider your walking dark forest trail or something like that. Your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp to my feet. It shows me where I'm at. And then secondly, it's a light to my path. It shows me where I'm going. So the question, how am I? Where am I at? What's going on in my life right now? Is the Lord pleased with it? If he is, boy, fantastic. Is he not pleased with some things? Do some things need to change? Do some things need to stay the same? Do some things need to, are, are some things good and they even need to be done with even more energy? 
Or, you know, where am I going? What, is, what does the year hold for me? Which direction am I headed? God's word, let's look, go through our notes here. God's word shows us our current condition. When I read the word of God, you know, guys, and I've been a Christian for a long time, taught the Bible a lot, but it's amazing what happens as I'm reading the Bible, you know, there'll be areas in my life where I think, oh, I'm not doing so well with X, Y, Z or whatever, and I'll read something and I'll go, hey, hey, wait a minute, those things are happening in my life. Wow, God is affirming. I am correct in the way I'm thinking. I am, I am correct in the way I'm treating people, the way I'm acting, the things I'm pursuing. Thank you, Lord, for affirming those things in my life. I was, I was thinking I could have done better, and maybe I can, but thank you, Lord, that you're showing me that there are some things that are right and good going on. I, I, lo I love that. How about you guys? Yeah. I, lo I love to be reading the Bible and, and to, say, to see a list of perhaps Christian behaviors and to kind of have a sense of, wow, not as bad as I thought. <laughs> you know? But then the next day, <laughs> you can feel bad about yourself and be seeing some things as you're reading the Word of God. You're reading the Word of God, and there's some things there. Maybe, the, maybe it's Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount talking about forgiveness. And don't you just know it? Somebody wronged you a few days ago, and you just you, you can't forgive them, and you don't want to forgive them. And there's that thing in your heart, and God's Word is like a mirror, and it just shows you what's going on with yourself. God's Word shows us our current condition as we read it. There's some verses here. I want, I want you to follow along with me. It's a good thing to, to self-evaluate, you know, and as I said, we do that with our finances. We do that with our, our health. We do that with any number of things. It's a good thing to self-evaluate, self-examine, not in a morbid kind of way, but in a healthy way, in a way to say, you know, I, I'm looking for, for those things that are healthy, I want to repeat, for those things that need to change. I want to share, share with you guys some verses that talk about self-examination. This isn't just something that I'm kind of, you know, a pet peeve of mine or something like that. The Bible does tell us in the New Testament a number of, a number of places about examining our lives. So just follow along if you would. 1 Corinthians 11.27, Paul was correcting the church at Corinth because when they got together on Sundays uh, for communion and for like a, a church uh, dinner or church luncheon together. A lot of times they were getting drunk. They were mistreating people. Imagine that. How was church today? Oh, the first part wasn't so good, but the second part, well, the potluck was amazing, you know. I mean, they were mistreating each other, all kinds of things. And in so doing, they weren't thinking reverently about Jesus Christ. They would take communion, but not with a reverence towards who he was. And so 1 Corinthians 11 Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Not that they're good enough, but they're not, but they're not thinking of the worthiness of Christ as they take communion. Verse 28, it's in bold letters there for you. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat the bread and the drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner drinks judgment to himself, not discerning discernment, self-evaluation, self-examination, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, which is a euphemism that some had died in the church of Corinth. Their lives had gotten so out of control and so wrong with God that he took them home early, apparently. Verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, and this isn't judgment towards condemnation, this is a judgment towards evaluation. Go to buy a new car, you check it out. You go to buy a new home, you check it out. You go to the doctor to get lab work done, you know, you don't tell the doctor, don't check for cholesterol, please. 
No, you check for cholesterol. You check for those things that might be out of place so you can know how you're doing, so that you can be healthy. Paul says to the Corinthians, if we would judge ourselves or discern things in our own lives, we would not be judged or condemned. When we are judged, when, when we discern things, when we let God show us things about our lives, we are chastened by the Lord. Yeah, he corrects us that we might not be condemned with the world. So self-examination is really, really good for the Christian. We do it for our, our physical health. We do it with our finances. We do it with our marriages or our friendships, whatever the case is. It's really, really impor important Excuse me, for our spiritual life as well, that we have self-examination. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says to the Corinthians once again, they were a troublesome church, guys. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Sounds like he's turning it up a bit, doesn't it? From 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians, things hadn't gotten better. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed, unless indeed you are disqualified? He's just asking them to look. He's saying, hey, wait a minute. Are you a Christian? Ask yourself that question. Are you a Christian? If you are, then some things need to happen or should be happening, should be apparent in your life. Galatians 6.4, let each one examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Apparently, the Galatians were comparing themselves to one another. It's easy to do, isn't it? Look at, we look at the superstars in the world around us, and we can allow ourselves to feel inferior. Paul just said, examine your own work, but, but take a look at the work in your life. Look, take a look at the, at the work that's being produced in your life. On Christmas Eve, we gave away that little booklet called My Heart, Christ's Home. How many of you guys got that? Great. If you haven't got it, we, we bought boxes of them. I just felt kind of compelled to buy a lot of them just to give away, give away, give away. I read that book when I was a kid in high school, and it just impacted me. And I felt like, you know, it's time for me to read it again. And so we bought a bunch. And if, there's, if you need any, there's some out on the table in the foyer. My Heart Christ's Home, it's a picture of, of a guy who invites Jesus into his life. And the metaphor, kind of the allegory, is that Jesus is at home, abiding within the heart of this, of this guy. But, but the author kind of creates some pictures. And one of the pictures that he creates is, Jesus says, hey, you know, let's, let's go out. Do you have a workshop? And the guy says, oh, yeah, I have a workshop. And Jesus says, well, let's go out and look in the workshop. Let's go take a look and see what's happening in your workshop. And Jesus looks around. And he says, boy, you've got great tools, wonderful tools. You're well outfitted. What have you been producing? And the guy said, brought some little trinkets before the Lord. And, he, and it's like Jesus is going, well, that's nice, but you're really, really well equipped here. You know, you could really be producing things. And Jesus just helps him to take a look at his own life. And so it's not, it's not a negative thing. It's not a condemning thing. It's a healthy thing. The Lord may affirm the things we're doing. He may say, well done. Or he may say, man, you're really well equipped. You can do more. And so my point is this. God's word, a lamp to our feet, it shows us our current situation. It helps us examine ourselves. It helps us to take a look at ourselves. Look at your notes. When we're deciding if we need to lose weight, we look at the charts provided to us by our healthcare providers. The last time I did that, I was just depressed, so I quit looking at them. According to Kaiser, I was like, I'm not a healthy guy. But those charts, those medical charts, they tell us how much we should weigh based on our height and our, and our kind of our build and all of that. 
In the same way, you know, the Bible tells us this is what a Christian looks like. How are you doing? Once again, not for the purpose of condemnation, not for the purpose of making us feel bad, but for the purpose of us saying, wow, there's some areas that I've neglected. I need to, to pay attention to these things. And as you read the word of God, it's like looking at that chart. It's revealing to us. It's a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we're at. If you're a person concerned with your weight, you check the scale often. <laughs> I'm glad we got one giggle out of that. <laughs> If you're a person concerned with your finances, you regularly check the bank statements. If you're a person, you know, concerned with a relationship, you regularly check in. But as Christians, are we checking in with the Lord about what's going on in our own lives? That's the idea there. Letter B, isn't general awareness of our condition good enough? I, I could say, a lot of us could say that we've read, you know, we've read the Bible a lot. A lot of us could say, hey, you know, I've read the Bible a lot. I don't need to be checking in all the time. I've read the Bible a lot. I've read it through two or three times and, and I know what it says. That's fantastic that you've read it two or three times or, or more or whatever you're doing. But we tend to think sometimes that we're okay when we're not. And once again, I think of physical things. I need to go to Kaiser, by the way. I need to get some lab work done. I haven't done it for a long time. It's like, I don't want to go to the doctor because they always find something wrong, you know? Um, that was supposed to be a joke. Anyway, never mind. Um, you know, you go to the doctor, they do some lab work, and the doctor, you know, sends you that email or calls you in and says, well, there's some things here that, that are alarming me a little bit. And you kind of feel okay, but then suddenly you find out your cholesterol's through the roof or your blood pressure's terrible or whatever the case is. You're surprised by the report. You got a report 10 years ago and your cholesterol was fine. I read the Bible through three times 10 years ago, I really don't need to read it again. Yeah, you do, because it's constantly helping us to see how we're doing. Your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp to my feet. It shows me where I'm at right now. How am I doing? Both for affirmation and perhaps for correction. It's really important. We, that, we do that with, with physical uh, reports and that. If we neglect our physical health, if we neglect checking on our physical health, it often leads to illness. If we neglect, guys, checking our spiritual health, it can lead to a spiritual illness. It can lead to a lack of health, spiritually speaking. Look at your notes there. <clears throat> Excuse me. James chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. James tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there is a hearing and there is a doing that's required. James goes on to say this, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's like the man that takes the trouble to go to the doctor, gets the lab report done, has an appointment with the doctor. The doctor says, you know what, sir? Your cholesterol is sky high. Unless you reverse this trend, it's, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna take years off of your life. And you're, as the patient, you're sitting there saying, yeah, doctor, I know you're right. I totally agree. I, I came, I made the effort to come here today. Um, I believe you, I, all of that. And then you don't change anything and it takes years off of your life. Financially, you're, you're misspending, you're, you're investing poorly, you're not saving, you're just really careless with your money, you go to see a financial counselor, they give you a budget and they say, you know, if you do these things, these, these, these things, and if you're diligent and you apply yourself and if you're deliberate about it, 
You can expect by this date you're going to get out of debt and then you expect in another year, you know, 18 months or something that you're actually going to have this much money in the bank and you're excited, all right, I'm going to do it. And then you go away and you don't do it. You know, and we understand that physically and financially, don't we? Amen? Same thing spiritually. James says it's like we, go, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we kind of evaluate myself. The, the favorite image that comes to my mind is like you just got done with lunch, you go into the bathroom at the restaurant, big old piece of spinach in your teeth and you're like, I should probably really get that. And you don't. <laughs> and then you walk back, you go back to work, people are kind of looking at you like at work, and what? what? Why are you giving me stink eye? What's going on? What's the matter? You, you had that spinach in your teeth and you never got it out. The word of God is like that, like that mirror, isn't it? It is for me. Anybody else? It is for me. As I read the word of God. That's why we need to take care of ourselves physically. Guys, I want to encourage you. Take care of your bodies. It's a tool that God uses to serve him. Amen? It's a tool. We don't have to be, you know, beach body people or anything like that. Just be healthy. Take care of yourself. Be as, healthy as, be as healthy as we can. Do the best we can. Not, not even for appearance, but just for the service unto the Lord. We take, we take care of our finances. We take care of our relationships. We take care of our health. We take care of our spiritual health. We let the word of God be that mirror that shows us this is how we're doing. And once again, not always for correction. Sometimes for affirmation. Sometimes when I've been struggling, I, I need to get my handkerchief wherever it is. What did I do with it? Oh, here it is. Sometimes I'm struggling with something, maybe whatever the case may be, and I'm kind of just thinking, man, this thing is so hard, and oh, am I doing the right thing, and, and so on and so forth. And then I'll, I'll read a passage in the Bible that says, that, that speaks directly to that problem. And I'm, and I'm so encouraged. It's like, I'm really emotionally upset about this thing that's going on, but Lord, according to your word, I'm doing the right thing and I feel a sense of relief. Isn't that great when that happens? Oh Lord, I did reach out to that person. I did try to bless my enemy. I did try to, whatever the case is. And so that word of God is a lamp to our feet. It shows us our current condition. Look down at the bottom of page one. God's word describes a healthy spiritual life. And, and when, when we use the word walk in, in the Bible, the, the word walk just simply means a manner of living. Here's just four things. If you look up the word walk in the New Testament, you, it appears a lot of times about what a healthy Christian life should look like. Romans 4.12, walk in the steps of faith. So how's that been going, you know? Romans 6.4, walk in the newness of life. Jesus died to give us a new life. Walk in it. Don't walk in the old life. Romans 8.1, do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Be motivated and let the impulse of your life be the Spirit of God, but not your own flesh. Romans 13.13, 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. It's really, really interesting that, you know, as we, if, if we use the Word of God if we read the Word of God and receive it kind of as a, as a lab report, if you will, it's like an x-ray, you know? It shows us what's going on. Think of an x-ray, guys. Once again, I really want to encourage you. This, this, isn't, this isn't your end of the year beat. This isn't the end of the year beat down, okay, <laughs> at all. Let's say you've been kind of out of breath lately. And let's say you kind of have a hypochondriac kind of mentality and you're sure that it's lung cancer. You know, you're sure it's lung cancer and you're, you're making out your will and getting things in order. You know, and you go to the doctor and they take x-rays and they go, no, you just have bronchitis. That's great news. That's great news. I thought I was, you know, it's, it's affirming. 
But the other person that says, I've had this nasty cough for a long time and I can't catch my breath and I don't want to go to the doctor, but you go to the doctor, so you have lung cancer. See, the word of God can work that way, affirming things or, or needing to correct things. And so as we read the word of God, it's a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we're at. It shows us our condition. And then it lists things. Like when I get that lab report from Kaiser, it says the cholesterol is this and your blood proteins are this and your liver is doing this and your kidneys are doing that and, all, it has all the, and the healthy numbers are between this number and that and it gives me a snapshot of how I'm doing. And I, and I, I might not like what I see, but it's for my benefit. It's good. We, like I don't, we don't have Kaiser insurance so I can be depressed. Honey, my, my, hey, Debbie, my life's too happy right now. Let's buy insurance and get depressed. It's, like, it's for my well-being so I can live as long and as healthy as I can. Same with God's word. Let's flip the page over. God's, wor- God's word is a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we're at right now. Secondarily, God's word is a light to our path. It shows us where we're going. God's word, you guys, tells us to make spiritual progress. I read a great uh, story from some pastor online yesterday. He told the story of there were two guys that were journalists, and one had been with the company for 15 years, and the other one had been with the company for five years. And it was time for a promotion. They needed to promote somebody into a higher level within the newspaper organization. And they promoted the guy with only five years' experience. And the guy with 15 years' experience said, well, what's the deal with that? I've been here longer. And, the, and he was told, yeah, you've been here longer, but you've done the first year 15 times. You haven't progressed. You've only repeated the first year 15 times. This guy has done year one, and year two was better, and year three was better, year four, year five was better. He kept getting better. But you, sadly, have repeated the first year 15 times. That's not progress. That's just existence. That's just sustaining something. It's not progressing. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I get a little worried about my generation, the boomers, okay? There's some boomers in here. That we think, you know, I, I've, I've worked, I've retired. I'm just gonna kick back now. Guys, if you're retired and you, it's not the time to kick back, it's the time to charge. Well, that was a rousing response. <laughs> You've got time and energy and money and experience and wisdom that young people don't have. Charge. Keep progressing. You don't walk across the finish line. You run across the finish line. It's not the time to just, you know, uh, spend all your time going fishing and playing golf. Neither one of those things is bad. But it's also time to just charge and serve the Lord. Keep making progress. You don't quit running the race when you hit a certain age. You, in some ways, you're more qualified. Unless, unfortunately, you've repeated the first year 15 times. And if that's the case, then move on to the second year and make progress. Look at these verses. Can I have that water, Dim? It's my, it's my semi-annual embarrass my wife moment. Debbie Walden, everybody. God's word tells us to make spiritual progress. Acts 20, 24. Paul said in his race, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. 
Not with sadness, not with resentment, not with regrets, but with joy. That's how I want to finish my race. I want to go lean into the finish line. My body may not be running, but my faith can be running. I want to cross the finish line with joy, pleased about what I'm doing, even up to the last. I want to finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says to keep running. Don't quit running. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that those who run in a... Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a, temp- a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Guys, live in such a way that you can run better, spiritually speaking. How do you do that? By letting the word of God, Roman numeral number one, show you how you are. If you're not fit to run the race, let the word of God show you the things that need to be cast off, the things that need to be added on so that you are spiritually suited to run the race and finish it with joy. Hebrews 12, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. How do I run the race? Verse two, three words, looking Unto, looking unto Jesus. That's how we run the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A lot of verses, guys. I could bring a lot of verses to you about running the race, about moving forward, about making progress. Guys, especially my generation, this is, this is maybe a kick in the rumpus this morning. This might be as bad as the beat down gets. You never retire from Christian service. You might retire from your job. You might retire from a lot of other things. Serve the Lord, guys. My generation, serve the Lord. All of us, of course, millennials, Xers, Yers, everybody, serve the Lord. But boomers, we're still in the game. Amen? Let's hear a hearty old time, <laughs> Okay, we're still in the game. Serve the Lord. Make progress. If that stings a little bit, it's only because the word of God has been a mirror to you this morning and it's shown you where you're at. If there's some moss growing around your spiritual feet, that's not okay. Don't let moss grow around your spiritual feet. Keep moving forward. God's word shows us our progress or our lack of progress. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul tells this young pastor, let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. There's a snapshot. There's a lab report, isn't it? How am I doing, oh Lord? Well, let's, how, how, how are you in the word, Bill? How are you in conduct? How's your love? How are you in love? How are you in spirit? How are you in faith? How are you in purity? There's my lab report. There's a lab report for me to look at. How am I doing in those things? Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things. Read the lab report. Give yourself entirely to them. If you want to lose weight, some weight, then only eat one quart of ice cream instead of two. You want to get in fighting shape? Get rid of the ice cream. Why do I speak about food things? Take your best guess. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress, notice guys, that your progress, notice that your progress, 
may be evident to all. I don't know everything about everybody in this church, but I know some things about some people in this church, and I, I can see some people that are progressing in the faith. <clears throat> it's beautiful to see. I can see other people that are stagnant in the faith. It's not a condemnation. I can go either way at any given time. But your progress in the faith, are you progressing in the faith? It's not a matter of your work situation or your finances. It's not a matter of any of those things. If you have a week or if you have an hour free the week of January 8th, come and progress in the faith. Come and pray. Come and intercede. Come and labor as Epaphras did. Laboring fervently in prayer. It talks about Epaphras. What a great title. What a great description of a man. Spiritual progress should be evident. Once again, I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to, to share. Here, here's the lab report, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to apply it to each one of you as is needed. My point is, pro, spiritual progress should be evident in our lives. On the happy side, if it is, we can go, God, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm doing better than I did last year. So all of that is possible. 2 Timothy 3, 7-9 talks about people that are always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, people that love to ask questions about Christianity and about Jesus, but they're more interested in asking questions than finding answers. That's, that's who he's talking about. Verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, Old Testament situation, so these guys also resist the truth. They are men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. They will progress no further. It's possible to quit making progress, spiritually speaking. Making progress financially, making, you know, you're getting the six-pack going on the abs, you're doing, I mean, all those other things are happening, but there's no spiritual progress. And we just don't want that to happen. And Paul says, their folly will be manifest to all. I could, if I wanted to, and probably a lot of us could, Tell, tell sad stories about Christians who quit progressing and then even went backwards and a bunch of us saw it coming before it happened, right? Amen? How many of you guys know somebody like that? Raise your hand up high. We've seen it. They quit progressing and they started drifting and then they went backwards and we saw it before it happened because God sought to give them the lab report of their lives and they didn't want to see it and they didn't want to kind of follow what God would prescribe. As surely as we have the physical principle of, of gravity, please, please hear me on this if you get nothing else. As surely as we have the, the, the physical principle of gravity, there are spiritual principles that will never be broken. If you neglect your spiritual life, you're going to drift and maybe go backwards and walk away from the Lord. I've seen it happen. A lot of us have seen it happen. Just as surely... There's, there's not going to be one day this year when you can jump off a building and fly. Every single time that you try it, you're gonna, there's going to be a, a rapid deceleration. I thought that was funny too, whatever. Uh, there's going to be a rapid deceleration. You're going to hit, you're going to decelerate very quickly. Every time. It will never be broken. And the spiritual principle is, if you don't invest in your spiritual life, the same thing has happened, you're going to drift away. It's just going to happen. There are no exceptions. There's no, none of us are an exception. Conversely, God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And it, that always happens. He always keeps that promise. Hebrews 5. Boy, this one's a, this one's a stinger here. Hebrews 5. <clears throat> Paul, 
Don't know if it's Paul, actually. The writer says, for by this time you ought to be teachers. He's talking to Christians. Some of you, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. They should have been chewing meat, but they had to go back to milk because they didn't progress. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. Milk can probably keep you alive for a long time, but you're probably not going to grow and fully develop, right? You need a full diet. And for some of us, unfortunately, we have a milk diet. Maybe one verse in a 60-second devotional for people on the run. I kind of say that sarcastically. I appreciate a 60-second devotional. God can use a 60-second devotional but it's like living on a pint of milk every day of the year. It might keep us alive, but we're not progressing. We're not getting strong. We're not moving on to the next thing. He says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a baby. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Once again, it's like those two guys. One progressed a year's worth of progress every year. The other one repeated the first year 15 times. We can be a Christian for 15 years, but still be in infancy. And we just don't want to be there, right, guys? You guys okay? We okay? If you're repeating the first year 15 times, everybody knows it. Anybody with any discernment just says, man, they could grow, they could have faith, they could, they, God has gifted them, they have this, workshop they have so many tools they're so gifted there's so much potential there but they just don't want to chew the meat and they just no progress i know a lot of you are chewing the meat and i see the progress and a lot of us see the progress and it's a blessing it's tremendous it's it's great to move on from milk to meat isn't it it's a great thing but but, but it takes effort it takes some deliberate movement finally if you haven't by the way if you have any Questions on anything, you can try to text them in right now and uh, I'll try to give you an answer for them. Finally, as we kind of wrap this thing up, why spiritual light is needed? Why, why do we need God's word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? Why do, why do I need God's word to show me how I'm doing and where I'm going and if I'm making any progress at all? We need God's light because we live in a spiritually dark world. Newsflash, right? <laughs> like you didn't know that. We live in a spiritually dark world. Ephesians 6.12 says this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And you know, I think one of the first things that those uh, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness want to tell the Christian, ignore the lab report. You're fine. You're fine. Guys, if you get get an x-ray and there's, you know, a lot of bad stuff going on with your lungs or your cholesterol's through the roof or whatever the case may be, if I'm a loving friend to you and I see you powering down a gallon of Haagen-Dazs, Number one, I'm going to want the gallon of Haagen-Dazs. 
But if I'm a good friend, I'm going to slap your hand and take, get, grab it out of your hand because it's like poison to you. And the first thing, I, maybe not the first thing, but one of the things that, that the enemy wants to do is tell you, ignore the lab report. Don't let the, don't let the light of God, you, you read the Bible before, you read it before, you read it 10 years ago, you went to Bible college. I know a number of guys in Napa who went to Bible college that reject Jesus now. So that's no guarantee. Or got married, you know, in a Christian marriage and aren't even married anymore. So that's no guarantee. Guys, the guarantee, there's, there's the grace of God's side, the grace of God that keeps us, but then there's our side of the deliberate effort. I'm going to follow Jesus. And the enemy wants to tell you, you don't need the lab report and you don't need the light of God to show you how you are. You're fine. Satan is a liar, guys. You guys know that. A deceiver, the father of lies. When his lips are moving, he's lying. <laughs> and he wants to tell you that you're just fine. When some, sometimes we're not. And God's word is like that loving doctor that just says, man, I love you. Here's what's going on. Conversely, I think the wicked one also wants to tell us, if you were a Christian, if you wouldn't be doing this, or you wouldn't be struggling with forgiveness, or you wouldn't have said that thing, or you wouldn't have gone to that movie, or you know the condemnation, right? The, the fiery darts of the enemy that come at us, that just attack us. And as the word of God comes into our lives, we realize, yeah, room for improvement, but get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. I belong to Jesus. He died for me. I'm going to heaven because of his grace, because of his perfection, not because of mine. Word of God does both things to us. Shows us how we are, shows us where we're going. Reminds us of where we're going. When I, when I die, don't cry for me. In my Father's arms I'll be, right? It's, that's the word of God. Showing us where we're going. Illuminates our path. Shows us the direction. Spiritual light is needed because we live in a spiritually dark world. Spiritual light is needed because we have a dark side to us. Yikes. This is the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, talking about the internal struggle that he had. Paul was a right-on, amazing Christian man, but guys, he was also a man. And as Alistair Begg likes to say, the best of men are men at best. We're weak. We have problems, men and women. We, we have our struggles. Paul said this, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. What I'm doing, I don't understand. What I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But the evil, I will not to do, that I practice. There's an internal struggle. Anybody that ever tells you if you're a Christian, you don't have a struggle, they just don't know their Bible very well. There's a battle. Chuck Smith used to tell us, I'm, an un unredeemed, I'm a redeemed spirit in an unredeemed body. And there's a fight going on. So we need God's word to show us how we're doing and, and where we're going. Spiritual light is needed because the word of God helps us overcome the darkness. 1 John 2, 14, I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. The word of God helps us to overcome darkness. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Can't tell you the number of times, guys, that the word of God has just come up to me and just said, Bill, this is what's happening. 
You thought you were okay, you're not okay. You didn't think you were okay, you are okay. So on and so forth. Number of times. Finally, why spiritual light is needed. My last point. Great quote by D.A. Carlson. We have to be deliberate about walking in God's light. We have to be deliberate about this. Now, this is one of the best quotes I've read in a long time. People do not drift toward holiness. <laughs> just, just watch your babies. <laughs> Leave children unsupervised. <laughs> Leave adults unsupervised. They don't drift towards holiness. Apart from God's grace driven effort, people do not gravitate toward hope, godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the, the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godliness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Just remember that one line. People drift towards, do not drift towards holiness. Before you put your notes away, I see some of you folding them up. One more thing. I've made a New Year's resolution. I'm going to get back to a Bible reading program that I used a few years ago. And, and one of the challenges is I kind of start falling off and I get all discouraged and I say, oh, just forget it, you know. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. It's not that I haven't been reading my Bible without it, but it can be a tool to help me. And I don't have to be all self-condemned if I don't perform perfectly and all of that. But I put it down at the bottom of your notes there. There is a Bible app called uversion.com. You can get it on your smartphone, on your iPad, on your computer. And it's simply a way to be guided and led and reminded, they'll send you a daily reminder about what you read. I signed up for a two-year program to read the Bible in two years. According to kind of the notes and, and direction of an old uh, United Kingdom preacher named Robert Murray McShane, lived a couple hundred years ago. His devotional path, if you will. I just want to encourage you, here we are. 2017 is over in a few hours, 2018. I'm going to resolve to try to do some things better by God's grace. I want his light to shine on me to show me where I'm at. I want his light to shine on my life to show me where I'm going. Father, thank you that you're a great, wonderful God to us, Lord. And Lord, we do live in a, in a world of darkness. We do live in a world where there are principalities and powers. There's, there are strategies going on that we don't see. Um, strategies of wickedness against churches, against Christians, against humanity. But probably in some unique ways against your people, Lord. And we don't want to be caught unaware. We don't want to be um, naive. Lord, we don't want to be indifferent. Lord, we understand that if left to ourselves, we're not going to drift towards holiness. We're going to go the other direction. And so, Father, would you 
do that work in us. Would you be the one, Lord, by your spirit to inspire our hearts to read your word this year, maybe like we've never done it before, not to be saved, but because we are saved, to know you better, Lord, to let your light shine in our lives, to examine us, to affirm, to correct, to guide. Have your way with us, Lord. Help us to be deliberate Christians, not casual afterthought Christians, Lord, but the people that are running the race, and we want to run across the finish line with joy, Lord. We want to take our last breath in the middle of ministry, Lord, in the middle of service, in the middle of prayer, in the middle of worship, God. We want to take our last breath fully engaged with you. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship him, guys. I've heard a thousand stories of what think you're like, but I'm whisper of love dead of night and you tell that you're pleased and that I'm never alone sing it to him you're a good good father to you are to you are to you are and I'm loved by you to I am who I am, who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Who I am, who I am, who I am. Thank you, Lord. Tell him thank you, church. Thank you. Tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this year, Lord, that you've given us. Thank you for the year you're giving us. Thank you for the promises, Lord, that never change by the calendar date. The promises that never change because of conditions or our failures or our well-doing lord your promises are true god and you'll bring them about in our lives lord we want to walk in them we want to be people of faith people of holiness people of prayer people of service people of worship people of your word god being an example to all around us and making progress and letting our progress be evident to all father I ask your blessings on our church this year in 2018 god 
May this be a breakthrough year for many of us, Lord, in so many ways. Maybe unseen and unnoticed by the masses, but Lord, known and clearly experienced by us, God. Have a breakthrough year for us, God, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy New Year.